This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Providing innovative neonatology solutions for more than 35 years, Chiesi is committed to supporting the neonatology community and the NICU families you serve. To learn more, visit www.nicuconnections.com slash incubator. This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator Podcast. We are joined by uh, two new attendees uh, to the CHNC conference, Jonathan Levin and Kristen Lehman. Kristen, Jonathan, welcome. Thanks. Happy Thank to be you. here. Um, can you tell us a little bit where you're coming from, your city institution, and what is your role at your current institution? Sure. Um, so I'm Christy Lehman. I'm from Boston Children's Hospital, and I'm the associate medical director there and the director of QI and the program director for the Harvard Neonatal Perinatal Fellowship. Very program. cool. Oh, it makes sense why you're here today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jonathan? And I'm John Levin, uh, also coming from Boston Children's. I'm actually a dual-trained neonatologist and pediatric pulmonologist, so I help run our BPD program up in Boston. Um, I do both the inpatient and outpatient side, and uh, I came uh, to our, the BPD colloquium that was just over the last few days, and I'm here for the rest of CHNC yeah. as well. And you're part of the BPD collaborative. I feel like you're presenting yeah. cases at the BPD collaborative very frequently. I feel like whenever there's a gap, they call Jonathan and be like, Jonathan, present something. I see, see yeah. you two are are very interesting. You have very interesting roles, and you almost didn't let us interview you here today. So, yeah. <laughs> a little microphone shy, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, is this both your first time being here at uh, the CHNC? Yeah, this is my first time at CHNC, and I really was drawn because of the BPD session, the pre session. Mm-hmm. I was able to give a couple talks about Ooh. BPD and QI, and really some of the issues with how do we define success in BPD and can we move past death and tracheostomy as our outcomes? Like, how are we defining the, our, all is, the complex care we're doing? This is something that people have been talking about, about redefining yeah. the outcome so that it's not some of the crudest outcome possible, yeah. like a dead, dead or alive, and we can right. actually move past that and get to maybe optimization of uh, our baby's outcomes. Um, I'm just curious, what are some of the takeaways of uh, yeah of the uh, of the talks that you've yeah. given yeah I mean we had a um, breakout session where a lot of the experts in the room were able to talk about potential projects that we could collaborate with across different hospitals and you know people had amazing ideas some of the kind of interesting points and discussion points were like our use of neurosedatives and. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? How can we reduce the use of IV sedation? How can we optimize developmental care? And how does that all interplay? I feel like for BPD babies specifically, Jonathan, tell me what you think. I, I, I think that we used to, way back when, mm-hmm. use a lot of restraints on these babies so that they wouldn't pull their tube out and stuff. 
And we've moved away from restraints, physical restraints, because obviously that is not the right way to go. But we've then moved to sedatives. And I think they act as pharmaceutical restraints almost. So uh, it's interesting that you guys are picking on that. Yeah, I think in the last few days, a lot of focus on getting babies into their sort of right interactive state and, and right developmental state. These are chronic, you know, chronic patients who are there in the NICU for a long time and really sort of reframing, uh, you know, how we look at them is not, you know, just these ICU patients, but rather these infants that are, you know, trying to go through somewhat normal stages of mm. development and how we can best support that. Um, you know, as Christy said, there, there was a lot of discussion on, you know, what the outcomes we should be using. And I think, you know, even with that, that same idea, it's this idea of you know, tracheostomy and death is, you know, this outcome that's historically being used in a lot yeah. of clinical trials in neonatology for understandable and good reason. I mean, you know, I think that it's, you know, no one, no one sort of starts out the course sort of hoping for a tracheostomy. We understand that. But you're also realizing that, you know, on the note of developmental success, sometimes tracheostomy is really the best way to get there, and it really shouldn't be viewed as a failure, but rather as a means to achieve the best, you know, cognitive and developmental outcome possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting that you bring up this uh, point about, you know, specifically tracheostomy, which we see is kind of a worst case scenario, but, but maybe it's not. And I, I understand a lot of the discussion we didn't get to attend um, focused on how do we partner with parents in some of this decision-making capacity. Yeah. Any thoughts about yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, I think that parental reluctance is a huge barrier to overcome. So we did a lot of discussions about um, when to start the conversations about potential need mm. for long-term ventilation and how tracheostomy is a you know step towards that chronic um, care model mm -hmm. and kind of really focusing on developmental care. Mm -hmm. But you know, parents are hesitant, and rightfully so. They're scared, and, you know, different ways to, you know, get them, get their questions answered, get them connected with other families that have been through the same circumstances, and, you know, how do we overcome some of the disparities related to their, you know, maybe um, inability to visit, inability to ever take the baby home in some cases. So, you know, their reluctance is understandable mm -hmm. um, in some of those cases, and how do we help families through this and do the best thing for the baby at the same time. It's quite a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started introducing the discussions very early on when it mm -hmm. comes to the diagnosis and then yeah. introducing the discussion about tracheostomy as early as 36 weeks, um, just so that we can all be on the same page when the time comes around 42. Yeah, yeah, yeah no actually, surprises. John has worked on a predictive calculator to try to help us, like, how do we know early on, like, these babies are, you know, 99% likely to need long-term ventilation. So let's start the conversation earlier, get the trachs in earlier, so then we can decrease the IV sedation and get them, you know, involved and engaged with their developmental care. Right. And that was certainly a theme over the last few days is, is again, recognition, you know, BPD is diagnosed at 36 weeks historically and sometimes, uh, you know, I, I think both as a reflection of kind of our, as neonatologists, our view, and we don't want to sort of view things as a failure and we want to give babies the chance, but really recognition, you know, well before that even point that, that this is a chronic disease. And, you know, I think the earlier we recognize that, that, you know, infants are transitioning to that chronic state is the more we can support them in that way to kind of get to the, the optimal respiratory and developmental outcomes. Because yeah, we know tracheostomy early is better, but when that is, is still a question mark, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 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 You know, we, we, you know, and 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 even 
we say that we don't, you know, there's not a, there's no randomized trial that's going to show that it would be impossible to design that trial of looking at, or near impossible to design that trial looking at timing. But I think, you know, the way we generally look at it, and, and there's certainly some observational papers that support this is that, you know, if there's an infant that's going to require long-term support, you know, particularly in the form of invasive ventilation, where you're going to require neurosedatives over time to, to keep them safely intubated, you know, you're getting them on the pathway towards recovery and, you know, more normal development and, and probably most importantly trying to get the infant home yeah. right by able by doing that sooner and it's really hard to get all those processes started uh, sometimes you know before you know or you're somewhat limited I would say sometimes when you know you're you're having to sedate the infant to keep a breathing tube safely in and I think that's sometimes the advantage of doing a tracheostomy on the earlier side. All right, everybody's wondering the same thing I'm wondering. Where is that tool? That Can I use that tool, yeah. that predictive model? <laughs> uh, we are refining the statistics now. It should be uh, hopefully getting uh, submitted for publication over the next few months. You heard it first on the incubator. <laughs> That's right. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, it's obvious y'all have an interest in BPD. Are there other things you're looking forward to or hoping to achieve in the next few days to, to take home with you? I think John's going to go to some... Hikes and go on the mountain. Uh, there's, de- there's definitely that, that as well. Equally yeah. important, right? Enjoy I don't Colorado. think we're supposed to say on the podcast oh. that we're cutting the conference. No, but, um, you mean after the, the after conference. the conference? Yeah. Obviously, the uh, from the, seven I, to nine p.m. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean I think also just this idea of you know, being able to, we were just talking about this on the way over here yeah. about sharing data and, and really being able to use it for, you know, we both work in a level four NICU where we take, you know, care of some pretty rare conditions, right. And to sort of be able to, to track meaningful outcomes for these on an individual level gets really challenging, right. Cause even mm-hmm. things that we see with relative quote unquote frequency can still be pretty rare overall. And I think the chance to be able to say, all right, this is how we can leverage, you know, all these sites around the country of contributing data for these rare cases when you put them all together you know these things they're still rare but you actually have a meaningful number and it's a way to meaning meaningfully say you know for for whether it's you know gastroschisis or myelomeningocele or, or things that are, are again that we don't have great outcomes necessarily to track to sort of keep a you know yeah. keep Keep make sure that we're still still on the ball of saying, all right, what are the outcomes we're seeing? How does our NICU compare? Are we seeing changes over time, good or bad? And how can how can we yeah. how can we improve those? We were talking about using the power of CHNC and CHND database to expand our dashboard and include some of these more rare conditions that we have a handful of, you know, every year. And we, what should we be following? How are we comparing our performance at our individual center with the larger group and are there opportunities in some of these to target quality projects related to these the care of these babies? So it's really powerful when everyone gets all their data together, like that you can really improve care and share best practice. And it's exciting for that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for uh, being on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of The Incubator and new shows from The Incubator Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com, or by visiting our website, www.the dash incubator.org you can also message the show on instagram or x formerly known as twitter at nikki podcast thanks again for listening and see you next time
This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.